0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatting Films with Coffee with me, Simon, and as ever I am joined by my good friend and co-host Mike Elkins. How are you, mate?
1: Very good. Yeah, very good. It, uh, it's nice to be back. It We've is, a, yeah. a, a packed show.
0: It is, yeah. It's jam-packed. Apologies for not recording last week. It was a little bit mad. Um, schedules were all over the place, but we are back with a, with a great show.
1: Yeah. I think so. And, and to be honest, what you were doing last week has enabled us to have really good content this week. So
0: That's true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, we're going to kick off basically chatting about uh, First Man. Um, we're not going to be reviewing it because I think it's embargoed until the next one, uh, well, until the week after this. Um, okay. But um, yeah, last week I did my first ever junket. I
1: was going to say this was your first junket.
0: Yeah. It was... And how was that? It was amazing, actually. I really, really enjoyed it. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. Junkets for people who aren't particularly clued up, but basically, uh, you know you get those videos that you see online with uh, someone asking questions to someone who was in a particular film. Uh, it's always got the poster in the background um, and <laughs> the name of the film. Yeah. Um, so it's basically a one-to-one chat with someone who's in a film. Um, I spoke to Olivia Hamilton from First Man, uh, the new Damien Chazelle. Ryan Gosling Claire foy film um yeah yeah, it was amazing um I mean, I messed up to begin with um it was at the Corinthia hotel. have you ever been to the corinthia hotel
1: i haven't i haven't i'm where I'm assuming that's that's london somewhere
0: it is yeah, so it's basically um <laughs> it's kind of opposite South Bank, so you go across Waterloo Bridge and then there's okay. a big, big hotel um yeah five star hotel um you walk in. Well, if you're me, you walk into the restaurant. Um, of course, so that was the first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's next time you're up, I'm going to show you, but there's a lot of entrances to the Corinthia Hotel.
1: Okay. Um, would not main reception be the one?
0: Well, you'd think the ones with the big doors would be the ones to go to, but I kind Generally. of missed them. Yeah, uh, went to one slightly left to the, towards them and basically opened the door to the restaurant. Um, Realized it wasn't okay. the, the restaurant. Realized this wasn't where it should be. Uh, walked back out, went into the big doors, um, and there was no one greeting you, which I thought was a bit strange for a five-star hotel. Um, yes. Not that I've ever stayed in one. That um,
1: no, you would expect to see the 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 the, <laughs> the, uh, the individual on the front with the, the with the hat on. Yeah. Kind of stopping taxis and carrying bags.
0: <laughs> exactly. So again, maybe I went in the back way. I'm I'm very confused. Went in I went in. entrance. <laughs> well, picture this, Mike. You walk in through these huge doors, rotating doors, um, and there's a pianist playing for no particular reason. Okay. Mm. So immediately, as soon as you get anything, you think, "Well, I should not be in here. Hmm. Um, I don't belong." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, I did not belong there. It was quite clear. I ended up in a restaurant. Um, <laughs> managed to get myself. Did they ask to... if you had a
1: reservation? That Certainly would have been not.
0: Fun. <laughs> uh, my hair was particularly bouncy about there as well, so I must okay, have looked like.
1: Okay. <laughs> like ah, they're letting homeless people in now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was carrying a, a, a brown bag filled with drink. Um, what but, paper yeah. bag? <laughs> I basically managed to get myself up to the first floor, which is where it's supposed to be. Um, Okay. And uh, it was like it was room 120 something. And if anyone's seen the film Notting Hill, which I guess a lot of our listeners have, (laughs) you know the scene where Hugh Grant pretends to be from Horse and Hound? Yes. It's basically like that, really.
1: Well, oddly, when you said my first junket, that is the 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 sequence that immediately came into my head.
0: Yeah. Well until I did it, I was like, This is actually a very funny scene. It can't be like that. And it turns out it is. Um okay. you basically get shepherd into these rooms. I'm not slagging it off at all, but where I absolutely love doing it. It was just something I've never done before. Um yeah. and yeah, you basically get shepherd off into these uh press meeting rooms um where you, you basically wait to be called. Um yeah, looked after really well. Um, no food but a lot as, as much drink as you can imagine. We're talking coke diet coke sparkling water still water tea a variety of teas coffee filter coffee it was incredible go
1: nuts on mint tea and water
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um and then top yourself up with a filter
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so, what whole recipe are we using guys let's uh, crack <laughs> yeah, on. yeah
1: yeah it's a single origin <laughs>
0: um yeah so you're basically just waiting when you get called um and so it's, it's quite an intense environment to be in. And you then get called from there into this corridor of the Corinthia Hotel, which seems to go on for miles. It's like a, it's like a shining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're just in this very well-decorated corridor with posters of the film everywhere. Um, and you're sitting okay. outside. Um, and you get called in. And you get called into this very, very dark room with lights and posters of the film. And then the person you're interviewing is sat there. Um, And because it's all on quite a tight schedule, you basically get like sat down. And I thought what would happen would be like, okay, so you get a moment to compose yourself and they'll be attaching mics to you and they'll be double checking the lighting. Nope, none of that happens. You literally sit down and we go, okay, whenever you're ready. So, okay. I need to get my (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, guys.
1: uh, Did you tell her that this was your first ever junket?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I did. I think uh, there's footage of me actually saying, "I'm very sorry. I'm very nervous. This is my first one." That's, That's nice, nice.
1: you were honest and upfront. Did she respond to that, or did she just kind of just giggle like, oh. uh
0: It was a. Well, I'll show you the footage. Uh, but it was a, it was a nice giggle, and then she did also say at the end that, like, considering it was my first time, we did a very very good job. So it was so very patronising. Nice. Then. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> looking around oh, at a publicist cool. thinking what the hell is going on
1: i think that that sounds quite terrifying mm.
0: to you, an extent well you just sort of get on with it it's just like okay so i mean i won't i really did think someone was going to like attach a microphone to you um and then at least give you some sort of like okay guys um so you're going to be talking to olivia obviously none of that uh literally as soon as you sit down um yeah, far away. But it was just awkward, mate. It was so embarrassing. I had to rifle through my bag to pick out these cards. Um, <laughs> you've got Olivia Hamilton waiting there. We've never met before. She has no idea what I'm like. Um,
1: I'm, not, I'm not surprised you've not met her before, mate, to be honest. Though. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I've got to be honest, it was absolutely brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved doing it. Um, it was just something to get used to. And I really, hopefully we'll get another one.
1: Well, that's it. Next time, you know exactly how it's going to work and you're just kind of strolling like a pro. Obviously, exactly. So did they, they, they told you before that, that you were meeting Olivia Hamilton or was it just potluck?
0: No, no. So I've been prepped probably about two weeks before saying I was going to meet Olivia Hamilton, um, okay. which is really nice. Cause like Ombre carpets is very much, um, you you're probably going to get, uh, talking to this person, but just a heads up—you yeah. may know, be one question. So it's, like, you never really know who you're going to speak to on red carpets. But this was like a couple of weeks in advance, um, and you sort of have a lot of time to prepare some questions. And then you see yeah, the film yeah, yeah. like two, three days beforehand. Yeah, so you can kind of tailor it, and it was so enjoyable. Um, so was-
1: I would find it sorry, I'd find it really difficult because obviously she's lately been in some big things mm. so la la land um and um don't worry he won't get far on foot she's in that as well mm. and i would find it really hard just not to sneak in a question about something else but obviously yes. it's all got to be about that one film but
0: yeah i mean i i won't lie i was planning on just saying oh and very quickly um i'm seeing uh, don't worry he won't get far on foot next week um can you tell me a little bit about your character uh but there is no time <laughs> you get no, no, no. you literally um when you're asking the questions and you think okay this is great we're having a really nice chat uh this is a good interview and then something like appears in your peripheral vision uh and it's a publicist saying right you got two minutes left uh <laughs> so, wow yeah so you it just practice... there with a stopwatch <laughs> 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 just... essentially yeah um okay
1: and again, because, like, if you were if you were there and you said, "Okay, cool," you have five minutes with Tom Hanks. Hmm. I, I, I couldn't help myself. I'd want a gump question in there. I'd want at least two Saving Private Ryan questions in there. And it wouldn't bother me if I never got invited back to one of those events. If I managed to get those questions in, yeah. <laughs> but I think just, uh, I think th- I th- I'd be terrible in that kind of situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like (laughs) there probably comes a a point where the publicist steps in and says, Can we actually ask questions about this film? Um, I think the odd one wouldn't have been an issue. Um, I genuinely, it it was like the best experience and I love doing it. I feel very, very like grateful to be able to do it. Um, And it's something I think it's something that the more you do, the more you get used to. Like on the first red carpet I did, I was shit. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And it's just something you get used to.
1: Of course. That's really cool. That sounds very exciting.
0: It was. It was. It was very exciting. It was also very nerve-wracking. Um, and I have to say, Olivia Hamilton is so nice, um, especially when I messed up her name. So <laughs> that was good.
1: What did you call her?
0: <laughs> well, I got the name right. I just stumbled over it. So I kind of just went uh, Olivia Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. But it was all the it was all the nerves. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: hi yeah i'm really nervous i can't speak at the moment uh...
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: okay i mean no, that, that sounds really cool i think that sounds really cool um well we yeah. look forward to you getting an invite to another one
0: yeah i hope so I honestly if i could do more of those i think i'd be very very happy because they're just they're so they're so interesting and you get to basically spend one-on-one time with someone whose work you admire so it was yeah, yeah it was really really interesting um and graciously, I basically said at the end, "Like, I'm really sorry. Can we do the introduction again because I messed up? I messed up your name." And she was like, "Oh yeah, Kath. Yeah, that's absolutely fine." Um, and very very nice. Um, yeah,
1: that's cool. But I, I guess as well, the more you do, you'll become equally as hard line with the time. So it's like, cool. I've got an answer for this question. On to the next one, and you will become as as kind of rigid as 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 they would be because mm. yeah. i guess you've got to get the most out of your time
0: yeah yeah absolutely so yeah i guess uh, thank you to um the guys who sorted it out uh thank you so much to olivia hamilton for basically <laughs> humoring me for five minutes um <laughs> and yeah uh, we'll be able to put the video out next week so uh yeah i'm really excited for you guys to see it um yeah. hopefully it's,
1: it's a film fun. films briefly just is neil armstrong isn't it
0: Yes, yeah first man uh, is out next week, and it's a it's a film about um Neil Armstrong and his mission to get to the moon and his team's mission to get to the moon and the family life and it, it's yeah. a, it's a really really interesting premise
1: i think really, really interesting premise mm. yeah, and I love those films that kind of go into huge historical moments, whether they're accurate or not, I don't think it really matters. It just kind of takes you into a moment that yeah well you, you know it, about but you don't really you know you you, you kind of don't know the nitty gritty
0: exactly yeah that was actually one of the things that olivia said it was basically just um she she found that it it wasn't just a story about getting neil to the moon it was a it was a film that was basically telling like the internal struggle between like a potential failing marriage um the relationship he had with his um his Like his colleagues and fellow astronauts and also the impact it had on his life over a 10-year period like it's not it wasn't as simple as okay yeah well send someone to the moon it was like people died trying to get there Mm. um like internal explosions happened and killed like members of the of his crew and it was it was really fascinating to watch i think you'll really enjoy it
1: yeah that's good cool. yeah i i look forward to it and i th- I guess we will talk about it more when we can review it and um mm. and then yeah i'll go and i'll go and give it a view that sounds really good sounds yeah
0: really cool. so yeah that was that was my week um it was a little bit mad so apologies for not recording last week um but yeah um we haven't actually done our chat about coffee yet mike what are you up to
1: we haven't um well so i was meant to be visiting a uh a roaster yesterday mm. Um, but unfortunately, uh, due to, uh, an arrival of speciality tea, he was very, he was snowed under. So we had to postpone, which was a shame, but that, that, that trip will come. Um, I'm currently, what am I drinking now? I'm back on the Dominican beans.
0: Oh, the ones just from the honeymoon.
1: honeymoon. Yeah. Just the standard, the bog standard, high quality everyday coffee that they seem to drink over there. Um,
0: I couldn't have that every day. No. Nice, pretty strong. He's <laughs> quite
1: strong. He is quite strong, but I've had a long day at work. I need it to uh, to get me through the evening. Um, yeah, very very tasty. No complaints. And I found myself the other day when I um I was on a stag weekend, as you well know, <laughs> up in London.
0: I uh, I bumped into Mike on a uh, on Sunday with Beth actually, uh, and we went for a coffee. Uh, and you looked. Uh, fairly well, <laughs> so even Beth I noticed. Didn't. She was like, "You can tell you
1: it's hungover." I didn't feel very good,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: which is why it was only a very brief meeting.
0: But, um, um,
1: yeah, so I, got, I was on the train, and it's kind of got me thinking about blends mm-hmm. and what would be kind of the perfect blend of beans for your for your espresso, and what for you but like what sort of flavor profiling would you really would really, what, what appeals to you when you, when you look at a coffee and kind of read what's in it? Cause obviously when we in Lantana, you showed me a single origin that was used for both filter and for espresso. Yeah. Which I'm not sure works myself. Mm.
0: Well, I think a single origin as an espresso, um, basically get a little bit lost when it comes to the flavor profile. Um, yeah, especially yeah. when you're blending it with milk. Um, so it's interesting that some beans work better as a black coffee, um, whether that's a filter or a long black. So yeah. if you've got the ability and if you've got the, uh, I guess the, the know how, how to turn that single origin bean into something you still serve. Um, I guess, I guess a bit like a, like a blend. Um, then it, it can work. I think that one, uh, tasting notes of chocolate, hazelnuts, walnuts or oh, hazelnuts
1: and uh, muscovado sugar.
0: That's the one, yeah.
1: Which should work both ways. Mm. You know, it's quite, quite deep flavors, mm. but I, it's just not something you see that often. Mm. Um, which, yeah, got me thinking, you know, what would I what would I have like if I was to make a blend because I only roast on a with a with a popcorn popper <laughs> so my ability to create blends is is slightly limited in terms of it could take a hell of a long time but it's definitely something that I want to kind of explore
0: imagine if you just source two or three beans and you come up with just this gold you come yeah. up with like well that's the stuff. plan
1: <laughs> that's the idea <laughs> within the next six months I'm going to create the greatest blend on the planet. But um, I just, yeah, I think for me, it has to be something with sort of, it has to be very sweet, mm-hmm. I think, to make a really good espresso. Sweet with a uh, like caramel is a winner all day okay. long. Maybe some uh, some sort of orange, some sort of citrus flavor. Mm-hmm. That I think would work really nicely with an espresso.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it's it's going to sound weird, but I always... Think to myself, what would you like to? What would you like to taste in a cake, and what would you like (laughs) to taste in chocolate? Because uh, effectively, if you're using if a bean, sorry, if a blend is made up predominantly with a a grounding taste uh, with a grounding origin of Brazil or Colombia, it's gonna have a it's gonna have a grounded chocolate profile, which you can um, basically sprinkle around with. beans from ethiopia which will give a particularly fruity
1: yeah um, slightly more acidic and you need that little bit of acidity in there don't you yeah 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 i I think it's that kind of if you if you're adding milk to a hot drink it's that kind of comforting kind of really pleasurable experience whereas the for me a filter which is what i predominantly drink Mm. is uh it's all about a flavor and strength that's kind of it. So I'm not maybe looking for a hugely complex amount of flavors in my lattes, for example, but I want to be able to taste it. Not just well, this is warm milk and coffee.
0: That's where the additional bean, the single origin beans really come into come into play because yeah, if it's basically a, a Colombian and a Brazilian, you're basically going to be getting relatively like relative same notes. Whereas yeah. if you can, if you can chuck something else in there just to give it that, Little bit extra, and it's like okay, a, yes, I tasted that spike
1: of citrus or something. Then, which just hangs about at the end of yeah,
0: that's it. Because interestingly, the coffee we got on Sunday, I could really only taste sort of licorice
1: mm.
0: and a seedy sort of.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was it. That was it. It wasn't, and I would have been intrigued to have tried one of their filters, but it was nice, mm. but it wasn't. Wow, this is, you know, this is really flavoursome. It was, like you say, quite one dimensional.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good description. Um but yeah, I, I kind of think when it comes to why I look for an espresso like in a blend, uh, it's gotta have a it's gotta have a ground in chocolatey uh base note, essentially. And then yeah, yeah, play around with uh something citrusy or mm. something nutty. Obviously, chocolate and nut goes together so well. So when you add milk, uh. that, Laughing. Those
1: two are a must for me, those two, maybe something that's slightly oaty mm-hmm. with a little bit of citrus then just to just to clean the palate off a little bit because so much dairy kind of flavors can leave a bit of a bit of a thick kind of mouthfeel so if you've got a bit of citrus in there, just to mm. just to kind of break it up. but yeah, I saw a bean the other day which uh, was described as having a dolce de leche um, delightful flavor, which. Just that sounds good because I could eat, I could eat tubs of that. (laughs) (laughs) But but if, um, but yeah, if you could, if you could serve me up a flat white that had the predominant kind of flavorings of that all day long, I've, I've listed where I can find the beans. So I'm going to get them in and uh, I'm going to try a blend.
0: That's fantastic, mate. I'm, I'm so excited.
1: Could take a while, but
0: that would be fine.
1: Yeah so that was that was really that's my kind of my big coffee thinking of the of the last week. Yeah. Is planning on doing a blend. Is yeah single origin is maybe where i belong but every good roaster needs a signature blend so why not?
0: <laughs> You're going to be producing the, the best coffee in Sussex. <laughs> if this if this works.
1: Yeah. In my uh, in my own kitchen i have a popcorn popper. <laughs> it's going to be like super small batch.
0: Yeah but you know yeah.
1: I produce one bag a month, but
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it'll gonna,
1: sell for like two hundred pounds. It's
0: premium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got to be honest, Mike. I'm letting the team down today. Um, I'm not actually drinking coffee. I'm having a, well, having a bit. I did
1: question when I saw you crack open a bottle of or a can of. So originally, I thought he's got some sort of cold press, but apparently, no.
0: No. So You're drinking alcohol. Yeah, basically, I didn't sleep very well last night. Uh, we had we had two foxes going at it outside our room outside <laughs> our that window, not of the room.
1: I was going to say what well, they're on your landing, <laughs> but, so, and that is very noisy for for anybody who's heard two foxes going at it. It's quite unpleasant.
0: It really is. If for anyone who hasn't heard it, you don't want to hear it. It's um it's a pretty horrific noise, um, and it will terrify you when you wake up.
1: I'm just really pleased I'm not a female fox.
0: <laughs> you know what? Yeah, me too. Because um, <laughs> I've i had a rumour that foxes have like like spikes, like male foxes. That's the one. Spikes. I uh, believe that is
1: that is the, the root cause of the noise. <laughs> <laughs> I think if anybody wants to find out more maybe they should Google it. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, probably do it in private browsing. You don't want to be you don't
1: that. want to be seen with that sort of stuff on your on your phone or laptop.
0: Right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I basically, because there were some foxes going out last night, didn't, I didn't sleep very well. Um, I've already had four coffees today. And so I thought uh, I'm going to counter that with some beer.
1: <laughs> Straight in with the lager. Yeah, yeah. Why not?
0: Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chatting Films with Beer. Uh This <laughs> is going to be our next one. Um, <laughs> So as of next week, I will be back on uh, back on the coffee. Um, Good. But thank you very much for your your update on the coffee thing. I can't wait to hear where we go from here. Um, next <laughs> week is going to be a big one, I feel. Yeah. Right. So moving on uh, to films. Uh, yes. We have two reviews for you this week, guys. So we're going to basically smash them um, because there's a lot to get through. Um, two films out this week. Um, Well, there's plenty of films out this week, um, but I'm reviewing two of them. Uh, Johnny English Strikes Again, and later on I will be chatting to you about Venom, but we're going to kick off with Johnny English Strikes Again. Rowan Atkinson returns for a third outing as the hapless British spy. The film starts with English out of action and currently teaching geography to the next generation of British spies, trading in the suave suits for the more appropriate stuffy boarding school teacher attire. When a cyber attack reveals the details of all the currently active MI7 spies, English returns to action in a bid to stop the continued cyber attacks. Now, I know it's a multi-layered, intricate plot, but are you following, Mike?
1: Yeah, sorry, you went yeah. a little bit juddery then. But I guess I've kind of got the got the, the gist.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't say a great amount for Johnny English that my my synopsis of the film cut out, yet you still got the, the general plot. Uh, yeah, that's it, basically.
1: I'm not sure it's going to win any Oscars.
0: You've read my mind. Uh, I've actually written, I'll break it to you gently, Johnny English strikes again, won't be winning any awards. Um, (laughs) But having said that, it is getting slated by a few critics, and I actually think that's a bit unfair.
1: I I thought it was brave to bring back Johnny English for a second effort. Yeah. And that was poor. (laughs) To to go for a third, Hmm. barrel scraping sort of springs to mind a little. It is, yeah. I, I like Rowan Atkinson; he's a yeah. uh, he's a bit of an institution. But I don't know.
0: Honestly, there are some genuinely funny scenes. Uh, there's a great VR sequence uh, sequence that introduces Johnny English to the uh, the digital age of uh, espionage, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> and earlier on in the film, um, in typical Johnny English fashion, he essentially wipes out three of the remaining elderly spies, including Michael Gambon and Charles Dance. So that sort of, <laughs> that sort of ilk, shall we say, uh, and he accidentally wipes them out, which is funny. Um, so it's got some very good sequences for Johnny English. Um, and it did make me laugh. There's a good three or four sequences during the film, which did make me laugh. Um, and pretty much all of that is down to Atkinson, because like you said, he's an institution and he's so As you would expect. Yeah. He's so good at playing this role. Like, It's the sort of, it's such a good take on the smart, sexy, sophisticated spy. Uh, uh, I love watching him do it. Um, But I think, like you said, when you're three films on and you're still playing this particular joke, you need a little bit more. I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting Inception, that sort of level (laughs) of plot. (laughs) I do think it's something a little bit more than just relying on the same joke. Yeah. I suppose it's
1: thinking about actually yeah you know, who is this film really aimed at?
0: Yeah. I honestly I think it could have gone it could have gone further. I feel I think they're aiming it towards the new generation of John English was released in 2003, so 15 years on. Yeah. So I would have been 11 when it first came out and I loved it. So it's clearly being aimed at that sort of age demographic again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they could have done something a little bit clever and I think they could have pushed it a little bit further and made it a 15 because there's there's so much more you could get out of it
1: but but you think Spy Thriller well Spy Thriller in you know, <laughs> um, it should have a little bit of darkness to it it should have a little bit of even if it is a comedy mm. there should be a little bit of something just to appeal to the to the slightly older generations but yeah so do you think so if if, if people who love the first Johnny English they're going to enjoy this even though they're older
0: mm, can only judge it on how I felt about it um, I I personally love watching Rowan Atkinson play Johnny English because like I said earlier he's got it down to a T and he's really he's just, he just gets it and he's so good at playing it uh, mm. and also I have the benefit of really enjoying the first one when I saw it when I was 11 um, Yeah. Someone who would be a good person to talk to about this would be Beth because she hasn't seen Johnny English, but she okay. saw she saw it on Sunday, um, and she she thought like parts of it were really funny, but she also thought that it was just it falls flat. Um, so, I mean, personally, I could I could watch Rowan Atkinson do it, but I think I might be in the minority there. Um, I think maybe because it's aimed slightly slightly younger audience, there are a few gags that fall flat. Yeah, um, like there's there's a theme throughout the film where uh, they're basically going between they're toing and throwing between uh, English's old school vintage espionage tricks and the modern day espionage, um, which yeah. is obviously where the VR sequence comes in. Um, and that that really doesn't work. That theme is sort of introduced and they stick with it throughout the thing. And there's the old gag here like oh I don't need a mobile phone, and it's just that that sort of thing isn't funny. Um,
1: mm-hmm. So. So, so basically there was potential, yeah. but it's not progressed no. on from kind of what it was, which was funny the first time round. Yeah. And okay. So, so really it does rely on Rowan Atkinson just. oh, to...
0: Absolutely. Like, honestly, if, if Atkinson wasn't, um, Johnny English in the first one, it would never have got past the first, no. the first installment. Um, I think this is this is the time to just let it lie now. Um, say that like Johnny English was was fun while it lasted, um, and uh, and I really think that's all you can really expect of a Johnny English film is good fun, not to take it too seriously and not to not to really over critique it, which I feel like it has been. There's yes. there's it's obviously a, a fairly fairly simple and poor plot, um, but the comedy is is certainly there it's not like the comedy's gone away um i'm giving it three out of five uh which, which I is think
1: very acceptable
0: i think well having looked at some of the other reviews i've been over overly generous but i there were parts of it i really enjoyed um it's just how far can you push that same joke really like three We're this is a third installment of the franchise the joke's already been done, but if it wasn't for Rowan Atkinson, it, it would have been done on done a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, three out of five. Um, yeah, I would I, I would recommend going to see it. If you saw the first one and you liked it, if you saw the second one and you didn't like it, this is probably going to be right there in the middle.
1: Okay, so better than because the, the second one was bad.
0: Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to say Be too nice. much about it because I've interviewed the director and he was really nice But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah Johnny English uh, strikes again that is out now um, if you've got nothing to do this weekend if you just want to see a film that's going to make you laugh yeah go see it Venom yes um, now we on the first ever episode we spoke about how we're excited to see this film yes are you still excited?
1: yes to an extent Sci-fi is not something that I run to the cinema to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Um nor superhero movies for either of us. Uh
1: no. So in that sense it's it's uh it's a no-go for me. But Tom Hardy makes it something that I would want to go and see.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um my excitement from Venom has been purely based around the cast. Um I love Riz Ahmed, I love Michelle Williams and um, Tom Hardy playing a, a supervillain is uh, something I've been excited for for about eight months
1: Yeah, I uh, hope he does it with like a Cray Cray twin accent as well
0: <laughs> sadly not he's, no, uh, he's Eddie Brock <laughs> uh, investigative journalist um, I hope he? he doesn't sound like that hey, a little bit better than that uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so, yeah, he's uh, he's he's gone American. He's very yes. good in it. Um, I'm going to struggle with Venom because I'm going to say right from the out that I'm not obsessed with the MCU. I don't take it seriously. Um, yeah. I think there's been far too many superhero movies that have been released over the last eight years. And I actually think in 10 years' time when we <laughs> review this podcast, we'll be thinking – christ 2010 to 2018 there was yep. a superhero movie released every four to six months
1: well we we said something similar didn't we the other when we were talking about the kind of the the comedy films in the late sort of yeah. noughties that this is kind of what's the basement that, that yeah that's it and i've never had a great deal of appetite for it me neither and it, it's not it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, I'm not going to call it a fad because it's something more than that, maybe a fashion that hmm. I'm not going to be upset when it's gone.
0: Yeah, M- me neither. And so I do feel like I may not be the best person to be reviewing Venom, but yep. having said that, I do know enough about films to have a vague understanding about what I expect from a supervillain slash superhero movie. Sure. So if you're a fan of the MCU and if you're a fan of, fan of Marvel, then do bear with me. You can at me. I really don't care. Um, but Venom, Tom Hardy stars as investigative journalist Eddie Brock as Sony's supervillain Venom. When Brock is tasked with interviewing Carlton Drake, owner of a mysterious and incredibly dodgy life foundation, Brock is keen to expose the truth about Drake's methods in using and killing humans in his scientific experiments. After using confidential information from his long-term girlfriend, Anne Weighing, played by Michelle Williams, Brock intends to take down Drake and the Life Foundation, but instead hits rock bottom as he goes against his employer's wishes. Six months later, drifting his way through San Francisco, Brock is asked by one of Drake's workers, Dr. Skirth, to investigate Drake's plans once more, and Brock eventually comes face-to-face with the alien symbiote, Venom, that has been killing humans and making its way through Asia and now into the States. So there's the synopsis. I said I don't know a huge much about the MCU. I haven't bought into it. Um, But from what I understand, Venom is owned by Sony and associated with Marvel, but unconnected to the Marvel Universe. So to me, and I might be doing this a disservice and I might be completely wrong. To me, that says Sony now have a film that won't be able to compete with the Marvel Universe or even to be able to appear in the MCU, which to me asks the question, what's the point in making this film? Money. True. But that hangs over me. Like, you're watching that. Like, it's, it's fun to watch. You're watching it, you're just saying, I have no idea where this film...
1: Where does it fit in?
0: Where it fits, exactly. And I think what the idea was that uh, Sony, this film was supposed to kickstart the Sony universe. Um, yeah. Which it alludes to uh, later on in the post-credit scenes. There's some characters who get um, introduced. So I think that was, I think that's where it fits. This is where it is supposed to uh, sit within the, the Marvel Sony. Yeah. Chaos. See, that, I mean,
1: all of that is beyond me. Me too. <laughs> like it, it really, like the the, the the various sort of the crossovers and this thing. I, I in the nicest possible way, I really couldn't care. <laughs> Uh, I just want to, if it's a good film I want it to be a good film Mm. And I want to appreciate it I don't necessarily I've You know, I I talk to people A lot and they get so excited about Kind of the whole Batman versus Superman, all that kind of stuff And you know, you're watching a film about one superhero And then there's a supervillain From the same series But from a completely different thing Crops up, I mean, I know nothing about this kind of stuff I'm just like, wow, does it, does it really matter that much? <laughs> but, but I think to a lot of people at the moment, it does.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you'd have said that about Harry Potter 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, of course it matters. Uh, uh, I would so, have
1: been, yeah, the
0: same. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it does like it, it. I completely see your point. And I, but I can also completely see why people do. Uh, so
1: talking of like you, you try and sell me a Harry Potter Lord of the Rings crossover, gold.
0: We're talking business. Pure <laughs> gold. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I won't lie. That kind of thing, wondering where it fits, was sitting on me for pretty much the whole of the movie. Um, and I was yeah, hoping yeah. that it would kind of, like, be shaken off. But to me, it says that, like, Sonya kicking, kicking off their, uh, their universe with a character who isn't good enough to be in the MCU or isn't that strong a character to really be fascinated about anyway. I mean, in the Tobey Maguire movies, it took three of them to get to Venom. So it's... (laughs)
1: it's, (laughs) So you you are an afterthought.
0: Yeah, essentially. Having said that, um, there are some very enjoyable elements to the film. Uh, It's fast-paced, and the opening half an hour is really good. Uh, It builds the tension around the symbiotes, introduces relationship between Eddie and Anne, um, and you get to see Hardy as an eccentric, straight-talking, and just a general fun-to-be-around type of fella. Um, But to me, it really doesn't it really does know whether it wants to be a comedy, an action movie, or an edgy superhero movie. Um, and it basically ends up being a, a bland combination of all three. But there are some genuinely funny scenes, um, something which I think we should come to expect with Ruben Fleischer directing. Yeah. Um, especially when Brock and Venom are working together, Hardy gives a good comedic performance for the most part. And although there are plenty of lines that will make you laugh, the film is in danger of relying on slightly too many half-hearted gags, uh, which also sees Hardy occasionally failing to deliver them.
1: Um, okay, which surprise because he does play that role quite well. Mm,
0: that's uh, sort of I cheeky. Like,
1: Peaky blinders. I find his character very hard to read. Like, is he, is he a comic character? Is he just nuts? Is he, you know, he, he mm. does tend to... And the
0: same in uh, Legend. Hardy's comedic performance in this has really... Divided people. Some people think he's great in it. Some people think it's overdone. Mm-hmm. I kind of sit in the middle and think that it was. There's parts of it where he's really, really funny and really good, but it's all, There are parts where it's almost slightly too overdone. Um, okay. But Hardy's always had comedy in his performances. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was I was interested to see that his performance has been not particularly well received. In terms of the comedy, um, mm. but I, I, I really enjoyed his performance. If, although some parts of which, which were slightly overdone, um, another strong performance uh, in the film is Riz Ahmed and his portrayal of Carson Drake. Um, he's both calm and menacing at the same time, uh, intent on completing his work to give aliens appropriate human hosts to take over the world. Um, he's very good in it. I would have liked to have seen a bit more from Michelle Williams because when she's on screen, she's fantastic. She's an incredible actress. But this won't shock you, Mike. She is a victim of playing a hugely underdeveloped <laughs> role uh, and essentially becomes Brock's <laughs> girlfriend instead of an actual character. Um, yeah. Which a is so far. disappointing because she's so great. Um, yeah. I think with a better script, she could have had a much, much bigger uh, role than the film. Yeah. Um, I I'm i kind of struggling with Venom. It's, it is let down by an underdeveloped and fairly unimaginative script. Um, and it's really evident in the final fight scene because uh, it's loud, it's messy, it's heavily reliant on CGI. That's
1: what I was going to say. Does it rely too much on the effect?
0: Oh God. Yeah. It's, it's mad. Like, it's But then not... is that
1: what people want to see with this sort of film?
0: Well, I don't know because it, to be fair, in the Marvel films, CGI is used, but it's, there's a lot more going on than just CGI, especially in the fights. Um mm. But considering this is a final showdown it's really really poor it's it's not <laughs> great it's not great um, so i I'd say the the highlights are Hardy 's performance and the relationship he has between Brock and Venom um, and if you're going there to watch the action, then I think you will like enjoy a lot of the film um, but to me, venom just sort of struggles to answer like what is this film supposed to be? I'm giving Venom three out of five stars, um, which puts it on par with Johnny English, which I, I wasn't expecting. Uh, <laughs> 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 when I saw the first trailer for Venom, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Um,
1: and it's yeah. now, it's yeah, it's up there with Johnny English 3, <laughs> which I never thought we'd ever be reviewing anyway.
0: No, but. no. It's been a busy week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I had high hopes of Venom Um, and then weirdly the closer you got towards the release date, more and more people were just saying, this is not going to be good. Um, And some people actively hate it. Other people are saying, just enjoy it for what it is. If if you're looking to again, not take a film too seriously and just um, enjoy some fast paced action um, and see Tom Hardy, um, I think giving a very good, good performance. um, then I I would recommend going to see Venom this week. On the topic of superheroes, Mike, um, and supervillains, I have a question for you. Uh, To round off this podcast, who is your ultimate supervillain?
1: Good question. Because from somebody who doesn't watch a great deal of superhero films, my knowledge of of supervillains from that world are very limited. Um, I would say say Voldemort.
0: Sticking with Voldemort.
1: Sticking with Voldemort, yeah.
0: (laughs) I quizzed Mike about this earlier on, uh, and the first thing he said was, "Yeah, probably Voldemort.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of look at it, and he is actively pursuing genocide.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's, he, uh,
1: he's, he kills kids. He's happy to kill school kids.
0: Well, he, he's pursuing genocide whilst actively focusing on a specky lad. It's really... Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, he's got the ass because he couldn't kill a, a baby, and it's kind of from that. Yeah, it's just the guy has split his soul into what seven bits. That's that's pretty deep. Pretty um, deep. He uses people throughout the the, the books or films um, as basically kind of vessels to either carry him about. Is uh, it Wormtail? Cuts off his own hand Mm. to 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 kind of give him human form. So he's got some some crazy followers. Which you know, you look at history, some of the (laughs) worst people. You know, there's there's one guy I'm thinking about who you know he had some crazy followers, and he was pretty keen on genocide.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: if, if you were to say, give me, give me Voldemort. On one hand, and pff, I don't know the Joker on the other. I'd take the Joker all day long. Like, I'd sooner have a scrap with him than a uh, than well than Voldemort.
0: Mm. Yeah, the greatest wizard of all time. Um, you make a very compelling argument. Uh, it's difficult to argue with that. Um,
1: I can't be- look. I can't look beyond somebody who wants to commit murder on an enormous scale.
0: Yeah. I mean, granted, the scale is imaginary, but yes, you are—you are right.
1: Either way, but 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 you know, we're not talking. I mean, non-fiction. <laughs>
0: I mean, if we were,
1: <laughs> that's a whole different debate, but <laughs> the guy blew up a school and attacked a school full of kids. Yeah, that puts you halfway up the ladder in terms of just pure evil.
0: Um, thank you for putting forward your your pitch for Voldemort. Uh, as the ultimate supervillain, um, I'm going to go slightly more realistic um, and choose Lander from Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Um, I remember seeing that for the first time and just being blown away by Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's the one novel. of my favorite. He is one of my favorite actors.
0: He is just incredible in it. Um, probably in my top five male actors, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. He's also a great Bond villain, uh, but that is a story for another day. Um, <laughs> I was watching this documentary about Michael Fassbender saying when he um, auditioned for Glorious Bastards*, they wanted yeah. to see him for Lander, um, and um, he basically went to the audition with Tarantino, um, uh, thinking he was reading for a role of Lander, um, mm-hmm. and. Tarantino was like, no, no, we've cast him. He was like, oh, really? But I, I think I could do it. He was like, no, we've cast him. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for me, him in that film, I actually like him. You know, he's evil, mm. but I like him. You can't
0: I- take your eyes off him.
1: No, and I don't. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on what I like about him. Whether it's the way he just delivers his lines, um, the detail, like in the. Um, the sequence where he drinks the milk in mm. the in the, the in in Fun. the house, yeah, that whole sequence is incredible. Yeah, there's nothing particularly special about it, but just the way he he's moving, the way he kind of meticulously because he lights a cigarette, I think, then he yeah. pours, uh, has the milk and everything else. It's again, it's that kind of he's playing. He's not playing a character; he is the character.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, it's beautifully choreographed, isn't it? His whole performance is—it's—it's it's almost like it. He brings to the screen a stage character. Does that make sense? Like,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, it's phenomenal acting, and yeah, uh, easy to forget that he was <laughs> played a really, really horrible piece really of work.
1: Horrendous character. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and those yeah. people did exist. So yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that to me is my, my ultimate okay. superb.
1: I can yeah, I can I can I can completely understand that. Completely understand that.
0: Yeah, so well okay. that was uh I guess that was this week's episode, guys. I think we're we're done. It's been great. It has been. It's been uh, it's been full of content. Um thank you for listening. Um next week I imagine we'll be back again. I I don't think we've got anything on.
1: No, no, so yeah, we can come back and talk about films that like, we've not even talked about films that are ten years old.
0: yeah I know imagine a show where we do not talk about films that are 10 years old
1: that's it I mean not that that's a filler at all (laughs) anyway
0: (laughs) your words
1: (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy it I enjoy it but if we're doing it next week I need notice because I'm gonna have to really look down that list to see what there is to talk about
0: well fun fact for the uh for the listeners of this podcast we actually recorded one about Twilight uh about two weeks ago but the episode didn't, didn't, make, long. The cut. <laughs> it didn't make the
1: cut, didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we got that in the locker.
1: yeah that can stay locked
0: away <laughs> um so thank you very much for listening guys uh, we'll be back with you next week um and yeah thanks for listening see you next week it's
1: been it's been a pleasure
0: as always mike thank you very much
1: pleasure mate see you later
0: see you later bye, bye. bye.